You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I remember one recruiting victory that you did get. It's Wes. I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit. And Walker. Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually <laughs> went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. Uh. <laughs> Welcome back to the West and Walker Show Sports Radio 927. WFNZ, could it get more college for a fight song than that right there? Then hold them tiger, okay? Uh, we are back on a Friday. No rules Friday, that is, as we await Will Shipley uh, checking in with the show. The Clemson running back that we were just talking about, his Heisman candidacy. But we've had a great team week talking about the Clemson Tigers and what we can uh, expect from them this season, and this is a guy I feel like that we've that we've given him some love, but I feel like uh, we can't give enough. Uh, 1,700 total yards, he had all-purpose yards to be uh, exact last season for the Clemson Tigers, and this is a guy with Garrett Riley uh, running the ship now there offensively that he could add on to that total, but they do have a pretty good backfield. Uh, and I thought it was a strong statement yesterday saying that he and Phil Maffa are the best backfield in the country. But this is definitely um, – trying to think. I, I, I hate the cliche running back tandem nicknames because it's always thunder and lightning or something like that. But these two are definitely that. Will Shipley is a guy who – he gives you a little bit of both. Like, you get the power, but you get the finesse and speed. But he runs really, really hard. But Phil Moffa is just a big, powerful back, 230, 235, going to run through you. Well, and I wonder, too, if we're talking about Heisman hopeful, does he take away some of that food from Will Shipley? And so if that's the case, then it's going to make it that much more hard for him to get to New York City. And I'm looking at Garrett Riley. One of the questions that I have about, and maybe even for Will Shipley as soon as he joins us, is how involved in the passing game he's going to be because he had over 30 receptions last year he was he was a receiver at some points but not one of the more prolific pass catching running backs in all of college football but then you go to what Garrett Riley did with TCU and you have a Kendra Miller who is in the NFL right now ran for 1400 yards and 17 touchdowns so very nice year for Miller but only 16 receptions Wes and then you had Dee Mercado who had 13 receptions and only 65 yards didn't use any of those running backs a lot in the offense when you're talking about throwing the football. So I wonder with Will Shipley, who does possess that skill, good coaches tailor their offense to make sure that they emphasize the skills, the skill set of a lot of their best players. And so I wonder if that happens with Will Shipley enough. And it's not like he wasn't involved at all, right? Like you did have him with a couple of four catch games, a couple of six reception contests, at least one six reception contest. That's the most that he had. And that was on the road against Florida state had a five catch game against Notre Dame, but there were a couple of one catch games as well. I wonder if that's, 
going to be, you know, uh, completely erased. Yeah, and I think it's interesting that you do bring up the Phil Maffa uh, case there because he did rush for 515 yards last year and four touchdowns, uh, healthy 5.3 yards per carry to go along with Shipley and his 5.6 yards per carry. And I think he's being coached, too, by the right guy that fits his skill set. When you talk about his running back coaches, can you guess? The running back coaches for Clemson? Yeah. I don't know the running back It is back the Southern Reggie Bush. Uh, oh, that's Spiller. right. I actually do remember him being hired. C.J. Yeah. Spiller is his running backs coach, and we know what C.J. did as far as being the ACC's all-time leader in uh, all-purpose yards. And so he's the perfect guy to coach Will Shipley, as they are, they were very similar backs, even though Will Shipley didn't have quite the moves, quite the... Uh, well, who does? The, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're calling I mean, him Reggie Bush for a reason, right? Reggie, well, and the other thing, just real quickly, like we think of an ETN who had a nuclear career, even before they really let him loose. The yards per carry were absolutely nuts, and then they fully let him go, and then he was able to get all of that volume, and so should be a nice year for Will Shipley, especially in a new offense. And now, without further ado, joining us on the Body Works Plus Guest Hot line it is the man of the hour weddington's finest will shipley and i know the kids prefer the instagram you can follow him on the ig at will shipley one will what's shaking baby what's up what's up i really appreciate y'all having me on uh everything's going good over here in tiger town uh just just getting ready for a little labor day kickoff against duke uh, but yeah everything's going well i really really appreciate y'all having me on no doubt about it, Will. And so let's let's get right into the thick of things. Coach Riley comes over, and we know, and I've heard in the springtime, I saw Barrett Carter's quotes, the, the great linebacker that you guys have, talking about how the offense attacks with the receivers and the crossing and all the different things and route combinations they that they do. But from a running back's perspective, what improvements have you seen upon the offense that you were running before? Uh, what do you like about Coach Riley's offense? Yeah, you know, to, to start off, just, um, you know, Coach Riley as an individual, um, you know, he's, he's somebody you want to play for, um, you know, somebody that you're willing to lay it on the line for, and that's just his his personality. Um, you know, he's, he's a guy that has a lot of fun, but you know, right when he crosses those lines, similar to, you know, the mindset of a player, he, uh, you know, he, he flips it and he's ready to go. Um, and then, you know, conceptually, it's, it's a lot of the same stuff you see it at running back, but, um, you know, just being utilized in different ways. Uh, you know, I think that, you know, football truly is a game of matchups. Um, and if you can take advantage of, you know, the matchups on that particular week, um, you know, then you have a better chance of winning. And, and that's what he does is, uh, you know, he, he finds on the field where we can take advantage of it and, and puts us in a position to exceed, um, to succeed. And, and uh, you know, there's, there's nobody better in the country um, at doing that than, than, uh, than him. And, and, you know, just seeing that throughout the spring, throughout the summer, throughout fall camp, uh, he just puts us in position to win. And, uh, you know, at, at that point, it's really on us to take it to the next level and, uh, and, and be successful in that. All right, Will, and so tell us about how, you know, you made the jump, came in and had a very nice freshman year, and then this year you really uh, get things going when you talk about 1,748 all-purpose yards. Just tell us about uh, the back that you came into Clemson as and where you are at as we get ready to start the 2023 season. 
Yeah, you know, I've I've uh, continued to progress throughout my time at Clemson University, and uh, yeah, that's a huge testament to this program, to Coach Sweeney, to Coach Spiller, um, you know, all the coaches around me, as well as you know all, all the running backs I have, uh, you know, big name Phil Phil Moffat, he pushes me every single day day in and day out, um, you know, to just continue to, to get better. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've gotten, you know, tremendously better since I first got here. Uh, I think one of the biggest things uh, I've noticed is just how much the game has slowed down. Uh, you know, that's a testament to, you know, watching film and, and just uh, continuing to increase your IQ as uh, you, you learn more and become a better player. Um, and there's so many intricacies that, that go into it as well, you know, getting better physically. And um, but I've I've seen a huge jump mentally, and I think that's going to really open up windows for my physical game to uh, to show off as well. Clemson running back Will Shipley joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Will, I want to get back to get Riley just a moment. How hard has it been to pick up the offense, and what are some uh, different things that you expect to be doing this year? Yeah, no, the, the offense has has truly been uh, very easy to pick up. You know, I, I think. We have a, a total of like three days of install, and then after that, it's really just um, changing up the concepts, changing up the formations, doing things along those lines um, to, to to make it easy on the players. So everyone's picked it up really well. Uh, we've got a good idea heading into week one. Um, you know, kind of what we have in the game plan, and and just gonna you know over the next week continue to uh, increase that knowledge, get ready to go. Um, and, and everybody's pumped over here. Has Garrett Riley gotten mad at you yet, Will, for not picking something up that you should have? <laughs> I, I wouldn't say it's really in his manner to, to get mad or frustrated. <laughs> um, you know, he, he really does understand the player's mindset, and that's what makes him so great. Um, you know, so he's just been helping us a ton, and, uh, you know, he, he gets on us. There's no doubt that he's hard on us, but, um, you know, in, in terms of uh, getting mad or, or consequences, you know, that's not really really in his playbook, uh, to, so to say, uh, which is great as a player. Um, you know, it's what we talk about in the locker room all the time. Just had a conversation with, you know, Klubnik about it. It's like the, the pressure that, that he takes off you by his coaching style and, um, you know, just the confidence that he instills in you is, is you know, like I said, just another one of the reasons he's, he's going to go down as one of the greats. Will, you talk about this team and everybody thought that last season was a down year for you guys, even though you still captured the ACC championship. And this program has been dynastic as far as the last decade when you talk about ACC play. But uh, how has it been around as far as the team and the hunger to get back to the college football playoffs when you look around the landscape of the country? Do you feel like people have maybe even forgotten about the Tigers and how much of a chip has that put on you guys as you prepare? for this season yeah um you know i, I think that uh to, to start off answering your question you know the, the outside noise is definitely fuel to our fire but um it's, it's not number one two three four or five and so on priority you know th- this team uh you know since i've been here going on in my third year it's the most hungry we've been uh the, the closest we've been and, you know, everybody just has a common goal. And, and, you know, kind of what we say is you're either helping that goal or hurting that goal by your actions. Um, you know, and, and this team has got the potential to be special. Um, you know, but so, so do a lot of other teams. So, um, you know, like I said, we're, we're hungry. We've got, we've got goals in mind uh, that, that we're willing to, you know, put everything on the line to, to reach. And, um, you know, I've got a lot of confidence and, and feel really good about where we're headed this year. 
um, you know, with God's will, some luck and, and everything else in there. Uh, yeah, I think, I think we can get it done, not only get back to the playoffs, but, uh, you know, also have that ring on, on our finger at the end of the year. Will, so let's also talk about bringing back to the hometown. We know Weddington, the powerhouse program uh, that you come from. How excited uh, are you about this team again? Because they're one of the favorites to win uh, again this year. And I saw a little bit of the house call that you guys do uh, with the Clemson football video department. Just talk about Weddington, what that program means to you and what your hometown means to you. Yeah, you know, it, it means a huge deal to me. Um, I, I love, love getting asked questions about it um, because, you know, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be who I am today without, without Weddington and what they've instilled in me. You know, I was, I was Weddington K through 12. Um, and, you know, from all the teachers to my classmates, and then you get into, you know, the high school football program, just, um, you know, being historically successful because of, you know, the values that they instill in their players and the discipline that we have. You know, I've carried that on to this level and it's, it's paid dividends. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, played a huge role in my success here. Um, yeah, so I, I love Weddington. I love Coach Capone. Um, you know, can't, can't forget about Coach Carson my freshman year. Um, you know, they, they've done such a great job with that program. It's all they... Uh, had a big opening night win, 47-3, I think it was, against Cox Mill, or, or uh, maybe it ended up even more than that. But uh, I can't wait to see what they do this year. They've got a bunch of studs on that team, um, you know, coached by the, the best high school football coach in North Carolina, no doubt about it, Coach Capone. Uh, and, and I can't wait to see how successful they are. But, yeah, huge shout-out to Weddington. Um, you know, I'm very proud to say that I'm from there. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll continue that on just as, as long as my success continues. Strong. There it is. Yeah, real strong. Well, and I also wanted to know, <laughs> Will, just how strong you expect to be in the passing game this season because you clearly have that skill set about you. You had 38 receptions last year, 54 for your career. If I gave you an over-under on 54 receptions, what, do, you, do you think you'd be over for the career receptions? How involved in the passing game are you going to be? Yeah, yeah you know, uh, I, I think that it's going to play a, a big role. Um, you know, in, in our game plan, I think uh, it goes back to my, my first answer with just matchups. Um, you know, running back position is, is usually lined up against a linebacker or, uh, you know, a, a strong safety zone that comes down inside the box. And I think I can win that matchup, um, you know, 100% of the time, to be honest with you. Uh, so, you know, whatever Coach Riley sees fit is, is what I'm going to go on that field and do. Um, you know, I'm definitely hoping for the for the over on mm-hmm. that. Uh, I think just just as any player would, um, you know. But I'm I'm willing to do whatever whatever it takes for this team to uh, you know get get to where we want to go and and ultimately win a national championship. All right. Well, I look. You've been professional. You've been great. We really appreciate the time. I, I need you to be a little petty for this next question, just a little <laughs> bit, because I read somewhere okay. I read somewhere that during the recruiting process. One coach actually told you to switch to lacrosse. That's an actual thing you heard and then became one of the more coveted prospects in all of college football. Now, you don't have to say his name. I know you don't want to give out the school. But do you check in on that coach every now and then just to see how successful he's doing, like what he's doing right now? How much do you pay attention to the guy that told you to play lacrosse? And then, of course, you'd go to rush for over 1,100 yards and catch for over 240. Yeah, um, you know it's a it's a hilarious story. You know, my my, my family and I go back on and laugh uh, 
all, all the time. Um, and, you know, kind of alludes to, to one of my previous answers. It's definitely fuel to the fire. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I understand that in this profession and, and with the success that, you know, I've had individually, that there's going to be people out there um, who, who doubt me and who don't think that I can, uh, you know, get to where I want to go. But, um, you know, hard work, dedication, the hours that you put in, all that stuff uh, cancels out. And, and I'm so confident in myself from the uh, preparation that I've put into this game and, and uh, just my love for the game. You know, I, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. You know, I, I step out onto the field and it doesn't matter if I'm having a good day, a bad day. Um, you know, if one of my friends is down, you know, I'm, I'm going to go out there and, and everything else just uh, goes away. And I, I, I have a smile on my face. I'm enjoying it. I'm just thanking God for the opportunity to go out there and play. Um, yeah, so, you know, back to the story. It, it's a hilarious one. Uh, it's, it's very true for, for any of the doubters out there. Um, but, yeah, I, I definitely check up, you know, there you see, go. see what he's doing, um, you know, kind of. <laughs> And, and, and able to, uh, you know, put a little grin on my face. Sometimes. There you go. You know, that's, that's kind of what, just, just what I'll leave it at. Um, but, yeah, just uh, continue to put in the hard work and preparation and just continue to prove the doubters wrong. You know, that's, that's really number one number one thing. As he should. I love that. That's Will Shipley, Clemson running back. You can follow him on Twitter at WillShipley2021, and you can follow him on Instagram at WillShipley1. And, Will, we need some of those ship happens t-shirts uh down here when you get a chance you know what i'm saying i like those no doubt no doubt we need to get y'all some <laughs> all right we appreciate it man we'll see you down the road yep thank y'all so much I, I can't tell you how much i appreciate y'all having me on thank no you. doubt about it man just a great kid right there man great lacrosse player yeah no doubt about it well you know what uh, jim brown played lacrosse so i guess that runs in i bet the, he could uh, do it back. i yeah. bet he could do it yeah lord knows when chris hogan was on our squad we know about some football players playing lacrosse well you know what on the house call that i was talking about on one of the scenes he's standing outside flipping the ball back and forth against the tree with his lacrosse stick though so he's definitely uh locked in with that but when we come back on the west and Walker show who are the under discussed Panthers that you want to see step up in tonight's game that and more on the Weston Walker show sports radio 92.7 WFNZ McDonald's is not new to chicken so maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy juicy fried chicken buttery bun unmatched pickle to chicken ratio yeah they know what they're doing in fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. portion of that interview or you just want to hear it again because it's so damn good go to wfnz.com click on the wes and walker podcast feed and you can listen to the clemson star running back we'll also have some more clemson conversation coming up in a moment we got final predictions and we have Lawton Swan of ClemsonSportsDoc.com. So we're ending with a bang, the Team Week Clemson edition here with Will Shipley, 
couple of other guests and then giving you our predictions for the upcoming season. Let's go back to the Carolina Panthers conversation, though. You can text in 704-570-9610. Under-discussed Panthers that you want to see step up. There are a couple of guys that we've been talking about that are among the top of that tree. Iki Iquanu, plenty of discussion surrounding him. We want to see Bryce Young have a better stat line. Even if we think he's played well given the circumstances, we do like what Bryce Young has shown us, and we would like to see the numbers reflect that more so in the box score. Any of the uh, under-discussed guys here, Wes, that you want to point to and say, I think he is the one that needs to improve as much as anyone. Oh, I mean, as far as it needing to improve, I mean, I think this is the last hurrah maybe for YGM to Gross Matos. You want to see him come out there tonight maybe and be able to apply some pressure to that Detroit offense, especially uh, no Panay Sewell is going to be out there uh, as some of their starting linemen. So you want to see YGM maybe perhaps show that he can be one of those backup guys uh, that they can count on to contribute. And I'll stay in the linebacker room with Deion Jones. I mean, yeah. I think for him after what we saw last week, especially on that big run the Giants had near the end zone, where it looked like he just got punked all the way to the goal line. Uh, I think this is another guy that you heard good things about when he first came into camp. And so uh, can he show that he will be a capable backup to those inside linebackers, Shaq Thompson or Frankie Louva? If we're talking about guys that are going to get significant snaps, Brandon Smith is one that might be playing for a roster spot. Brandon Smith is someone a lot of people liked, and it just hasn't really worked out. In the first year, his rookie season, doesn't mean you have to give up on him as much, Mm -hmm. but when you have a new head coach, that leaves you a little vulnerable. Frank Wright coming in, even if you have the GM that's still there that drafted you, Frank Wright coming in, you have a different defensive staff. I just don't know if this is going to be someone that is in their long-term plans, especially with the way that he's played this preseason. And if he doesn't have a nice showing, then maybe he's vulnerable and you know goes to the practice squad, but you get the idea. I think Brandon Smith is a name that could be there. I'd like to see a decent game from Chuba Hubbard. I mean, we're seeing yeah. a lot of these offensive guys that we're pointing out. So if we get some nice production from Mingo... And then we get something from Chuba Hubbard with the starters. Maybe we get a couple of nice runs, something like that. Break a couple tackles. A lot of that has been predicated on offensive line play, but it would be nice to see him break a couple of tackles, fight for extra yards, be able to turn a third and short into a first down because he's getting past the second line of defense. Something like that. I think those names would come to mind. Some people might point to the tight end room, Wes. Mm-hmm. Hayden Hurst had the reception that got called back. I really don't even know how much usage uh, either Tommy Trimble or Ian Thomas have gotten. Ian Thomas, more the blocking guy. Tommy Trimble was heralded for his blocking come out of college, but people loved his upside as a pass catcher because of his combine, because of his athleticism. And still, we haven't seen a ton of Tommy Trimble so far. Do you think that it's time to give up? on the tight end room outside of Hayden Hurst with Ian Thomas being a part of the passing game and Tommy Trimble, who is going into his third year. Yeah, I mean, I think that Hayden Hurts is going to be the guy, no doubt about it, but I don't know that you can depend on the guys behind him. So I'm going to say yes, uh, because Ian Thomas so far in this preseason, you've gotten three receptions for two yards, and then from Tommy Trimble, you've gotten one reception 
for 12 yards. And I know Tommy is the one that you really uh, would be like, okay, well, why why would you give up on him? He's still a relatively young player, but we haven't heard much. It's, it's pretty much been uh, mums the word on him as far as him being able to come in and show that he's a guy that they can depend on to come in and give them meaningful snaps and catch uh, passes from them this season. So, yeah, I think this tight end room hasn't shown you much, and I don't think there's many reasons to have uh, faith in this group because you talk about uh, Trimble, he's the more athletic of the two, but Ian Thomas, like I said, it, it, how many years do we have to wait on uh, his promise, his potential, things of that nature, because when he gets the ball in his hands, you're not getting a lot there either. So, yeah, I think as far as Hayden Hurst goes, it's going to be Hayden Hurst or Buss when it comes to this tight end room. Yeah, I gave up on Ian Thomas a long time ago. And, by the way, I held on for a long time too. So, <laughs> this was someone as, I think, the first pick on day three of the NFL draft and was considered this guy with a lot of upside. Gave you a nice Cleveland game when Greg Olson got hurt. We were excited about what Ian Thomas could do and then just never became a receiving threat. Tommy Trimble gets drafted. He's going into his third year. I've talked about it a million times. We see tight ends really break through a lot of times in their second contract. And Tommy Trimble being this young, 23 years old, I'm just not going to give up on him right now. Especially when I think there are plenty of legitimate excuses to give him, given quarterback play the last couple of years and an offense that featured Joe Brady and Ben McAdoo, where I even liked Joe Brady enough, probably more than others, but Ben McAdoo, they didn't feature the tight end as much as what we've seen from Frank Reich during his time with the Colts. And we can go to, I believe, an Eric Ebron, who did not really show out until he got to the Colts organization where Frank Reich was there. I think Ebron played with the Colts, if I'm not mistaken, when he had that show out. So we got to see that guy. We got to see even a couple of different tight ends have nice moments. Jack Doyle. Mo Ali Cox was doing a little bit better job with Reich. Mo Ali Cox. Yep, that's a VCU basketball great, Mo <laughs> Ali Cox, by the way. And I, I think that there is going to be some room for Tommy Tremble to show some promise this year and also not have as much pressure because he's not going to be the starting tight end. So if the guy in front of you is Ian Thomas, who is known as a blocker, and you're Tommy Tremble, who was known as a blocker coming out of college, and we all thought it might be a little bit of a project before he gets involved in the pass-catching game, then yeah, I I thought, or the passing game, I don't know why I keep going pass catching, but in the passing game, then yeah, I think Tommy Tremble is someone that could develop nicely this year with a head coach that likes to use that position and someone that is going to start above you. You could even do the whole mentorship role. If you, it can work at quarterback between Dalton and Bryce Young, if it can work at pass rusher from Justin Houston, Brian Burns, and whoever, why can't it work at the tight end spot? Yeah, and so when you look at this crew now, and it, it, you don't want anything to happen to Hayden Hurst, sure. Uh, but this is a crew that, again, I mean, if they felt good about these guys in the first place, I don't know that they go out and sign Hayden Hurst and bring him in to be the starting tight end. So I think we kind of knew that this was a group that wasn't going to be counted on much uh, this season when they went out and made this move. And I just don't and haven't seen anything to restore the faith in those two uh, now. All right, so they went out and they signed another tight end. They went out and signed some receivers this offseason as well. Adam Thielen, DJ Chark. They traded for LaVisca Chenault at the very beginning of last season. But now we got some injuries to take note of. Nothing crazy long-term, but enough to get you a little worried before we get to the regular season. TMJ, LaVisca, DJ Chark, all dealing with something. And we don't know if they're going to suit up week one or week two, whatever. All of them are kind of in a limbo right now. 
Do you think they just stick with what they have on the roster? Or do you think it's a matter of time, Wes, before they go out on the open market and get a wide receiver where you have the wide receivers out there that were nice three years ago, four (laughs) years ago? Um, There's some bigger names. Any names that tantalize you? Woo, tantalize. That is a very, very strong word. Thank you. But uh, I don't know that there are any guys out there that tantalize me, but I guess I'm (laughs) Warm bodies that they could bring in and see what warm you're going to get out of Did you them. just call these receivers dead? Is yeah. That- <laughs> I mean, if, if you were to go look at some, I mean, I know T.Y. Hilton is rated by many as the best uh, wide receiver still sitting there, according to a few services. I mean, three years ago, he had 760 yards. The last two years, 300 yards or less. But this is a guy that once had five 1,000-yard uh, seasons, which when you go back and look at his stats, you really forget that he did have a run where he went five out of six seasons with over 1,000 yards receiving. So maybe he's worth kicking the tires on. Kenny Galladay, again, you talk about four years ago, he had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons uh, before he got that big deal in New York. And it was like the worst contract in the league. Yeah, he did nothing once he got there, but he's still a big body, 6'4", 210. I'd go with T.Y. Hilton if I had to pick one. Bring him in. Let's see. He's got anything left in the chamber. Well, it's it's the Frank Reich familiarity there. That too. So that's the one that I look at as well. I'll never be able to quit Julio Jones, to be honest with you. <laughs> I saw him and I, I I thought about him for a minute, man. But I know. Julio's I know. been washed like my truck the last I two weeks. I know. I know. I'll take my clowning. He was just so crazy. He was. He was, he was nuts. I think when we talk about the best receivers of, you know, from 2010 on, I think you go to Antonio Brown, who probably had the best numbers if we go most productive. But if you want to, you know, battle with semantics and say who was the best, Julio, there just wasn't a weakness in Julio's game. Outside of scoring touchdowns. It was weird, but that because they covered him, right? And so then when they got Calvin Ridley, he was a touchdown maker, like Dallas Baker, if you watch Swamp Kings. Uh, that, don't, don't mention that. <laughs> but that was Calvin Ridley when he stepped on, uh, stepped onto the NFL field. But Julio, you're right. It was one of those things where he just was you know, constantly covered once he got to the red zone. But he would get to close to 2,000 yards. There just wasn't any just weakness. Just that big body, man. Yeah. He just wore on him. All that explosiveness he had in that big body. His body but, couldn't handle it. But I admit, right? I admit that he is not the Atlanta Julio. And this version of Julio Jones has been injured. One, banged up all the time with the Falcons. Banged up with Tennessee. And injured with Tampa Bay. If you have injuries. And then you go after Julio, who is often injured in the last three stops. Then, yeah, I could understand why you might clown me with that. And this guy, he would drive you nuts, especially if you had him for fantasy, because he comes out, he'll come out and have a monster game with like 12 catches, 220 yards and a touchdown. And then all of a sudden the next week, he doesn't play for like three weeks. And you're like, what happened? Like. He gets injuries that you never see during the game, but they're always just knickknack injuries. And an 803 number said that Jarvis Landry could be nice, but I don't know if the Panthers are interested in bringing in a guy uh, that's capable of catching 13 passes, yep. but it'll only be for about 44 yards. That's exactly right. That's, that's how what Jarvis, Jarvis Landry gets down. 100%. TPR. You stink. Jarvis Landry is going to go for double digits, and he's not going to get to 1,000 yards. He's going to – that's exactly what – 104 catches for 747 yards. So random Panther fact for all you sickos out there. That ratio of a game where you had so many catches but so little yardage, I always go back to Rashad Green with Jacksonville in the season opener against the Carolina Panthers. That guy had barely over 20 yards receiving but had it on like nine catches. (laughs) 
<laughs> and I was like, I've never seen anything that low because Jarvis would at least give you 50, but it would be on 10 catches. Rashad had something close to 10 catches and only gave you something like 27 yards. And that was another one. Yes. Free Keenan Allen. Three, three, six. Me and you are on the same page because I love Keenan Allen. I only do PPR leagues and he's not Jarvis Landry bad by any means. But he'll, he's not that much of a deep threat. Love Keenan, right? Represent North Carolina. Love Keenan Allen. But he is also one that might get you a little frustrated because he doesn't score a ton of touchdowns. Yeah. And he's banged up. You know, was, was healthy for a while after the ACL injury, but then got hurt last year. So I want to know, who's the most frustrating fantasy football player of all time? Woo! I don't, want, I don't want bad. I don't want best. I want most frustrating that maybe you didn't know what you were going to get. <laughs> maybe he always had that damn red Q next to his name up until game time, and you didn't know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> I want the most frustrating fantasy football player you've ever had on your roster. Uh, DJ Hancock or D Hancock said, go back and get Curtis Samuel. I love me some Curtis Samuel too, man. Didn't like to see him go. Good receiver, but yeah, also oftentimes has the red Q next to his name. He's questionable. He's going to be a game-time decision. That's just how it was with Curtis Samuel. Keenan Allen is my guy, though. Fitty, you were trying to think of somebody over there. Did you have a player that comes to mind? You know, y'all were talking about T.Y. Hilton. He was a guy that you never knew at Sunday at 1 o'clock if he was going to line up on the field. I also tracked down Rashad Green's numbers from that season opener. Uh-huh. Seven catches, 28 yards, okay. with a long of six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was what it was. There you go. <laughs> That's a hard day at the office they right just, there, buddy. Uh, let's just throw a bunch of screen passes to him. Was targeted 13 times, too. If you fall forward on every one of those catches, you should be able to get 30. And he still couldn't even reach that mark. 704 says Michael Thomas. That's a good one, but when he was on, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was. You a, had him during those prime seasons. You were loving. He life. was a league winner. Uh, CMC, it's not bad, um, but he was also a league winner if you had him earlier on. Marcus Colston. Marcus Colston was nice too, and he really showed out for you. His I had him year. one season. Yeah. Uh, Josh Gordon isn't bad. See, I think T.Y. Hilton actually is a good name to bring up here, Fitty. Thank you. The reason I thought he was good because he led the league in receiving yards, led the entire league in 2016 but never had any more than six touchdown catches after his first three years in the league. And so that that's what I think of. It's when you have all these yarded or all these yards and you don't get any touchdown catches. Calvin Johnson, remember his two K year yeah. had like three touchdown catches, but he had 2000 yards. It was, it was really frustrating. Who are some names that uh, made you react? Wes, go ahead. And then Fiddy, Man, I'm you had trying time. to think, uh, well, we obviously could go back to last year with Michael Pittman. Uh, he's, he's done nothing. I've heard he you say some bad things about Pittman. Year. I got on my nerves with him. Um, shoot. Oh, Casey, Steve, any Patriot running back. That's the answer. <laughs> Doesn't matter if it's Sony, Michelle, Steven Ridley, Lawrence Maroney. That is so true. Any Patriots running back. They were the most, Will Fuller is a great one from 704. Will Fuller was mad frustrating because he had all the talent in the world, but also would be hurt every other week. I can relate to uh, the Mike Evans talk, too. Uh, a couple of texters said Mike Evans. I had yeah, him last year, too. And that's yeah, true. That, that was hard to, to deal with. I'll give you a random one. You ready for this one? Martavis Bryant. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a sagebrush good. grunt over there. Martavis Bryant. <laughs> he had 10 touchdowns, but could give you a zero nothing burger one week. <laughs> and those deep threats. How about Deshaun Jackson? Yeah. We're not, he was we're definitely not liking that boom one as much. Bus. No, he was a boom a bust yeah. player too. 
Big time. He, he would give you two touchdown catches, but also give you, you know, one for 20. And they'd be big ones, too. They would be. Oh, I got a good one. Raheem Mostert. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had this dude, and I don't know if you remember the Jets game. He came out that year, his last year in San Francisco. He comes out in the first half. He broke like a 70-something yard uh, run, I think, on like the first or second play. Like, he was famous yeah. for coming out, having huge first halves. Something would happen to where he would have to sit out the second half, then miss three games, come back, have another massive first half, get hurt again, like – he was the king of big plays, but then you'd look up and you would see his line wouldn't his stats wouldn't move much in the second half. You're like, wait a minute, what happened? And you look up and he was hurt. That's a great one. That is very good. Yeah, I remember Raheem, I, I had Raheem Mostert during the playoff run. Somebody dropped in Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts lost. Oh, he had to hurt people last year. I'll raise my hand. <laughs> lost me my league last year. Lost it. I had a good team otherwise, and Kyle Pitts. With a whole bunch of nothings out there. Hide ends. Go scratch you. yourself. Yeah, it was tough. That That's what I was saying to Arthur Smith, though. <laughs> Never Kyle Pitt's fault. Always Arthur Smith. Last one. Let's do a San Francisco and random text connect. How about Carlos Hyde? You like that one? I remembered him. Carlos Hyde? Kind of like that. He was a little frustrating. I had Dalvin Cook last year, and he kind of got yeah. there a little bit, too. He would always be banged up. Uh, yeah. All right, so let's get to some other ones because we have a lot of texts rolling in. We still have a lot to get to today as well. Time to trend on the other side of the break, but a lot of people are getting in on the conversation. Most frustrating fantasy player. Oh, Jeremy Hill. That one hit me, too. Kyle yeah. Pitts, Jeremy Hill. Mm. I mean, just, <laughs> you know, just shoot me already. That's what it was with Jeremy Hill. <laughs> And uh, Kyle Pitts. Let's move on. It's Wesson Walker continuing on a Friday. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba da ba ba ba. Hey, baby Grom, are you him? What kind of question is that? Look at my Instagram. Okay, let's 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 enjoy the mess. Catch me outside. How about that? Huh? Catch me outside. How about that? Catch you outside. What does that mean? Let's get messy tonight, huh? All right, folks, this is the Weston Walker Show on a No Rules Friday, and it is time to trend. Let's start the show off giving our condolences and saluting WWE superstar Bray Wyatt, who passed away tragically at the age of 36. Wyatt died of a heart attack, according to wrestling reporter Sean Ross Sapp, who says he spoke to the Rotunda family after the fatal medical emergency uh, which occurred. He was a three-time world champion in WWE, including the WWE Championship once and Universal Championship twice. Took a brief hiatus from August 2018 to April 2019 and returned with a new character, a mix of Bray Wyatt and his other side, The Fiend, which was pretty cool. My son used to be scared to death of The Fiend and then he started liking him. But he said Wyatt came from a long line of wrestlers. His dad was Hall of Famer Mike Rotunda. His grandfather was Black Jack Mulligan. And his uncles were Barry and Kendall Wyndham. So, uh, again, RIP to Bray Wyatt. Also, Terry Funk for the OGs out there. He passed away 
uh, as well recently. So uh, RIP to both of those great WWE wrestlers. I know a lot of people, especially with Terry Funk and, and Bray Wyatt, just was in the last couple of days, right? Yes. If I'm not mistaken. Happened yesterday. Yeah, I know a lot of people were talking about Terry Funk being one of the OGs. A lot of people mm-hmm. in the wrestling game were really sad to see him pass away. And so, yeah, certainly RIP. Not familiar with the game nearly as much on my side, but anytime one of the OGs passes away, that's yeah. tough. And it felt like the sports world really came together on that one. Yeah, no doubt. And Bray Wyatt, like I said, only 36 years old. His character, The Fiend, my son used to be so scared of him at first that he would get under the covers when he came on the screen and then ended up becoming a big fan of him to which I had to buy him the mask of The Fiend that was quite frightening. But he loved it and walked around and he would do the voice and all that stuff. What era was Terry Funk? Terry Funk was, man, he was back in the day. I mean, he was... Was that like Jerry Lawler days? Yeah, because he was in his 70s when okay. he passed, yeah. The only reason, I, I know like Lawler, I know some of the OGs, but I interviewed Lawler one time, and that's the only reason I okay. can go back to some of them back there, yeah. All right, so on a happier note, but another fallen athlete as well, Kobe Bryant's long-awaited statue finally has a release date. The Laker legend's wife, Vanessa, announced the five-time champion's tribute will be unveiled outside of Crypto.com Arena on a special date of February 8th, 2024. As you know, Kobe played his entire 20-year NBA career as a Los Angeles Laker, said uh, Vanessa said that in a video from the team facility. Since arriving in the city and joining the Lakers organization, he felt at home here playing in the city of Angels. So they're excited about that. And uh, the special date of February 8th or 2824, as they'll call it. And I think the Lakers did a pretty good job with the statues that they have so far with Big Shaq, Diesel, and Magic's out there. So I can't wait to see what Kobe's will look like. They have so many, and it's warranted. All of them. All of them. That's what's crazy. When when we do statue talk, is it the highest honor that you can receive? Because even I think so. Because even Hall of Famers. Hall of Famers aren't, not all of them are going to be statues. Sure. But this one is 100% warranted, winning five championships in two different eras for the Lakers. And yeah, the Lakers, the storied franchise that they are, I was trying to figure out how many they have. Seven. The Lakers have seven statues. They have Magic Johnson, Shaquille O'Neal, Elgin Baylor, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jerry West, and Chick Hearn. All of them warranted. And Kobe being the latest addition. And this is something you knew was going to happen. But again, I'm glad to see it happen. I was trying to think of a statue, the last one that really wasn't warranted. Like Dirk Nowitzki for Dallas, 100% deserves it. Put them, got them a championship. And Dallas used to be bad, bad before he came aboard. So Dirk deserves it. The only one, like, love Jim Tomey. That was one where I was like, okay, was he enough of a Cleveland baseball god to the point where he got a statue? You feel me on that, Fiddy, or did Jim Tomey no, deserve his stat? You know what I'm saying? That. I remember Jim Tomey. Yeah, I mean, I feel like in like in, in a smaller market like Cleveland, like he might not have been a, a baseball star across the globe, but in that market, you know, he probably was a god. I need the Cleveland. I need Nick Wilson to tell me if Jim Tomey deserves a statue in Cleveland. But the nicest guy in the world too. Like anytime they would do the player polls on the Sports Illustrated poll, Jim Tomey would come in as the nicest player every year in Major League Baseball. So maybe attitude helps him get that one as well. All right. So now to get to the hilarious side, comedian Kevin Hart. Everybody knows him, even though he makes uh, pretty bad movies, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm not watching. But uh, he raised ex NFL running back Stephen Ridley. 
and Stephen Ridley shared video of said race. These two raced twice. Kevin Hart is now in a wheelchair after tearing some of his lower abdomen and abductors. So uh, Kevin Hart is 44 years old. Uh, The two (laughs) are friends. And Ridley said he's wishing Hart well uh, in response to the video. But man, that is why I told you guys about, you know, I don't feel like that. I'm breaking down like that. But, yeah, the recovery and different things like that as you get older, it gets a little different. And so, Kevin Hart got out there trying to race and tore abdomen. That's one crazy. random mention of Stephen Ridley gets brought up in back-to-back segments. I did not see that on a Friday show. The next one <laughs> no is. No rules, baby. There's no rules. You can bring up Stephen Ridley as much as you want to. The other thing is Kyle Bailey came in here with his back hurting yesterday. Yeah. And then we talked about all of our old man moments. I got one going on right now where I've been sleeping on my left arm arm wrong for a while and it hurts every single day is this just a sign of me getting old yeah am i just entering that stage you're getting older yeah Yeah, that's what's happening you you have to maintain all right the pain and our last piece angel reese we know her of the you can't see me fame from the ncaa championship made me drop an expletive on air caitlin clark and all the heat that she received but she's capitalized and she's capitalized so much on her newfound fame and fortune that You're not going to see her in class at LSU because she is so popular that she has to take all of her classes online. She revealed the adjustment in a new interview with Teen Vogue this week saying she wasn't expecting to blow up the way she did after the women's hoops team won its first ever championship in April. Uh, The money is getting crazy. She signed several NIL deals worth up to $1.6 million since becoming the superstar that she is. But she still said school is first, basketball is next, quote, unquote. She said, I wouldn't be here without school and basketball, so that's my priority. But just imagine being so uh, popular in college. And we know Johnny Manziel, they said that in the Johnny Manziel Untold, that he had to take classes online as well but just picture being in college and you're so famous that you can't even go to class well i mean it sounded like that might have been the case for your boy your fizzle boy chris paul <laughs> now, cp still kind of walked the campus for the most part and was pretty good i did not have any classes with him but i never saw a scenario to where he was just mobbed mm-hmm. uh going to class not as much yeah. as you anyway yeah you not as much Salem? as me man you know Stuff. i had to check with the counselors uh, each semester, I was like, is it safe for me to go? You just want you know? to be a normal person. Yeah, it's is it hard. safe? In Winston-Salem, when you're a celebrity like that. Yeah, I think at that time, though, I would have welcomed that, especially if there were plenty of women. I think you probably would have, too. That would have been mobbing me. I would have said, no, I'll, I'll fight to class. I'll, I'll, I'll find my way to get my education. And now we have to fight them off when they're all gathered around the exit for Fitty. That's Stop. right. That's right. I don't think he would fight that much. No, either, I don't though. think he would either. Right. Yeah, he's not taking any more classes either, <laughs> by the way. Online, no. Regular, nope. He's not taking any more classes. All right. Well, when we come back, we go back into Team Week with 2023 predictions for the Clemson Tigers and that schedule. And we go around the NFL on the Wesson Walker Show Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.